0: All right. It's the Storm Tracker podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin and he's Frank Tucker. We're giving you some podcast content here on miami.rivals.com, canescounty.com. You see the logo. And um, we wanted to start off with the the big news of the weekend or the unfortunate news for Hurricanes fans was um, hearing that a few recruits decided not to commit to Miami. I mean, Yeah, I think uh, we're all having withdrawals because we all kind of expected Miami to continue on this crazy run uh, that they have been going on with recruiting. Uh, But that has kind of come to somewhat of a halt since the Raul Aguirre uh, commit last week or almost two weeks ago now. So the biggest story is probably Peyton Kirkland, uh, just because he is, you know, very active on social media. And last week, it it came out out of nowhere, left field, that Texas was involved in his recruitment. This is a a team that wasn't in his top schools list, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, A lot of people have conspiracy theories as to, you know, how Texas even jumped into the commitment. And then he jumps out and says, oh, it's fake news. I've never even been to Texas. Um, He says that publicly on social media. And then lo and behold, on Saturday night, he commits to where? Texas. So your thoughts, Frank, on just that whole situation and, and how that all went down with Peyton Kirkland.
1: I've never seen a recruitment like Peyton Kirkland's process. The kid, speaking to the kid, he seemed all in on two schools, Michigan State, Miami. All signs pointed to him committing to either one of those programs. Even before he committed to Texas, his header was still his family picture with the staff and support staff at the University of Miami. So all science pointed to this kid either being with Miami or Michigan State. I could even see a dark horse – commit. could have saw a dark horse commitment to Oklahoma. They were recruiting him really hard. But Texas was not even in the cards. I, the kid played everybody. You know, credit to to anybody that had a prediction for that kid to go to Texas. He even said himself, why would I go to Texas with emphasis? So I just don't see how that happened. Obviously, NIL is a big factor in these kids' recruitment nowadays. We're going to start seeing things like this happen often. I think that you're going to see things like Jaden Bontu and Malik Bryant pushbacks happen more prevalently. Those two kids, who knows what's going on Exactly with their recruitment, there hasn't been a lot of talk with Malik Bryant in regards to what's going on with him. So Florida maybe just got you know heavy back into his recruitment. You could see Alabama maybe making a heavy move. Texas A&M with their NIL opportunities and what they did last year in the 2022 class could be a factor in what he's trying to do. So we'll see, we'll see. But Peyton Kirkland, in regards to his recruitment, I've never I've never been able to not get a feel on a kid like like Kirkland, you and I spoke about this before you even committed. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a weird, it was a weird situation. He was supposed to commit with Malik Bryant. And then all of a sudden they were doing two separate commitments. Uh, it, it was just, uh, I don't think that he got a great feel for anybody outside of Texas because of the opportunity to play left tackle. And he can deny that all he wants, but all the signs are there, right? Miami has been recruiting multiple offensive tackles in this class and Samson Okanlalu and uh, Freeling on top of Francis Malagoa. So there really wasn't an opportunity for that kid to play anything other than offensive guard at the university of Miami, Michigan state. You saw an opportunity for him to potentially play offensive tackle, but his frame and his size of 330 plus pounds really just projects him out to be a guy that is going to be stronger in the interior. But one of the things that he tweeted was um, that Arch Manning was looking for a left tackle. So (laughs) <laughs> I guess that was the ultimate reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not mad at him, Uh, you know, going to Texas at all. It's just the whole process, which is so odd uh, to me. I mean, we've been watching recruiting for years now, and I don't think we've seen – Um, you know, quite a situation like this, where a school just kind of jumped in out of nowhere, Uh, the kid denies it on social media, and then all of a sudden he does actually commit to taxes. I mean, with the NIL going on, um, there's a lot of speculation on, you know, if he was offered some kind of NIL deal, um, which, you know, um, could make a lot of sense, uh, to, to be honest, because, for for a team like Texas, who you know we we know every, everything is big in Texas, including their wallets. Um, so for him to go to a, a team like the Longhorns, who have their own network, um, only college football team with their own network, it just seems um, it, it's, it's it's it just seems easy to assume that. This this was some kind of nil uh, type of deal. Uh, now I'm not saying that's true or anything, but it's it's easy to assume something like that with a situation like this. Uh, but from from what I, from we what we learned is that Miami stopped recruiting him maybe about you know a, a few weeks ago, and you know they're focusing on other targets like uh, Tommy Kinsler and and Connor Liu, Um I hear are players that they are continuing to look at of course samson okanlola pancake Hancho is somebody who is highest on their list as far as offensive linemen and to be honest i saw peyton kirkland uh during the under armor uh camp and he was good and he definitely won uh the award uh, as far as uh, the offensive lineman mvp but i i agree with with the the other stances that he should move into the inside I mean compared to the other offensive linemen that Miami is targeting right now and just even with Francis Malagoa who's already a part of the class I don't see Paiklin um, Paiklin I might as well just call him that (laughs) I don't see Paiklin um uh, overtaken like a Mauagoa or, or a, a Samson Okunlola. Um And quite frankly, I think Kinsler has potential to be a better guard than Kirkland. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's on to the next one for the hurricanes. It's just one of the most odd or weirdest situations I've ever seen in recruiting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I hope it, it's not something that becomes you Know more common in regards to kids just you know surprising people in recruiting. We've seen it before. Jane Francois came down to the wire, couldn't make a decision. Uh, we've seen Alex Collins, you know, moms taking this, you know, the you know, the the, the papers to sign at right at the last second. So there's always crazy yeah. stories in recruiting, it's just part of the game. Uh, it's but again, that was one of the weirdest recruitments. And, I, and honestly, I think with the culture change that's happening in Miami, it's probably best that they recruit kids that just want to be Miami Hurricanes, right? The the kid is a very good player. Anytime you can add a blue chip level prospect along the trenches, you do it. But the fact is that he was a blue chip prospect very very early on in his recruitment. He had 50 offers going into his junior year. So we really haven't seen a rise in his recruitment. We've kind of seen a downfall. He was a top 100 recruit, borderline top 50, I believe, who has dropped down into that 225 range mm-hmm. so the potential isn't the same as it was when you were recruiting him when he was a freshman or sophomore dr phillips as a freshman starter and honestly the lack of success we've had with john campbell kind of projects that it's not exactly a place you have to dip to dip into so consistently Agreed. He's a talented player talented player but good luck to him
0: yeah absolutely and um we'll, we'll just move on to the other news that happened on Saturday, Saturday was supposed to be like a huge day uh, for the hurricanes. And unfortunately, Jonel L. Aguero uh, commits to Georgia. Um, I felt strongly about him committing to Miami based on the conversation that he had uh, about how his relationship with a die was really strong and they continue to talk every day. And he has developed him as a, as, as a, as, as a player and, and as a man. and, and then his relationship um, with his family, with uh, Coach Cristobal, it seemed like all signs were pointing towards um, Aguero committing to Miami. But unfortunately for Hurricanes fans, he commits to Georgia. Um, he goes to the you know national champion, and 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 um, that of course is not a not a bad choice. But from what I saw from him in the at the uh, future 50 in uh, Bradenton, I didn't see a player that really flashed a lot in one-on-ones. Now this was without any pads and he projects to be more like an in the box type of guy. So, so those guys typically don't excel in these type of formats, but I think, um, if, if, if they're looking for an in-the-box guy, then the guy that I prefer of the two that Miami was looking at is, uh, is Jaden Bonsu. Um, I think Jaden Bonsu is, is kind of a better fit uh, at, for Miami, and perhaps they are concentrating on him to fill in that in-the-box safety void uh, Bonsu ended up uh, delaying his commitment. Uh, I hear it wasn't it because of Miami, uh, or his relationship with Miami. He's still projected to commit to Miami. Just put out a video on his IG where he was working out in in UM shorts. Uh, so all signs are still showing that he will commit to Miami. And I, and as, as, a uh, as a hurt as hurricanes fans should, should feel, um, Pretty good about about having Bonsu as the replacement for uh, for Agüero.
1: Yeah, I I think once again it's a blue chip prospect. You want to get that kid into your class if you can, right? But we've seen Jonel Agüero on Friday nights against the American Heritage. He made some plays. Didn't stand out to the level of a Jaden Bonsu, who you turn on the film of the kid. and He's explosive at the point of contact. He's able to make plays. In the passing game as well. He's gonna probably play more of a striker, strong safety type role at the University of Miami if he does commit. But he's the more explosive player, despite not being as highly ranked as Jonel Aguero. I think that Jonel Aguero is gonna be an asset at the University of Georgia. They are gonna have some depth issues going forward at, at the safety position. That's what happens when you push kids out after three years, you know, into the NFL draft. So he's gonna do well there, I think. I think he probably fits best in more of a two-high system. He doesn't flash the same ability to be an enforcer in the run game that, that uh, B- uh, Jaden Bontu has. So I think the better fit for Miami going forward, especially when you're only going to really need one safety in this class when you're going after guys like Zayquan Patterson in 2024, to have a guy sit there for a year behind Avante Williams, James Williams, and Cam Kitchens, and potentially Brian Ballum, it would be you know the Bonsu kid the, the Bonsu kid fits the fits the mold of someone that that's going to need to learn a little bit in regards to his coverage ability. But we have the coaching staff put in place to be able to develop him to his fullest potential and yeah. be mentored by two potential high draft picks in James and Avante Williams. So yeah. I like I you know people are going to be upset because we didn't get the four for four or the five for five if you want to consider the Peyton Kirkland kid, but. You got to look at it at a positive. They're still in the, they're still in the cards for Jaden Bonsu, who I think is a top 10 safety and could get a ratings bump on the next update for rivals.
0: Yeah. And another player who was in the cards for Miami is Malik Bryant. Malik Bryant uh, is still in the cards for Miami. Um, He just delayed his commitment just like Bonsu uh, did and uh, hearing Rumblings about the Gators uh, jumping into the mix here. Um, he's over there in Orlando, out of out of Jones High School, and he was at Bradenton, uh, or was at IMG in Bradenton, um, very close to 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 the Gators. And this would this will kind of sting though if he if he ends up committing to Florida because. I know Hurricanes fans probably hate Florida more than Florida State uh, just because they've been known to to duck games uh, (laughs) over the years, uh, saying that their conference is too tough to add Miami to the schedule. So that is still a bitter rivalry despite them not playing every year, but they will be playing in back-to-back years starting next year. So looking forward to that. So if he ends up burning Miami for Florida at a position of need, I'm not going to say that this is this would be devastating, but this would be a pretty big blow to Miami because four-star linebacker uh, projects to be like an edge rusher, outside linebacker type of guy. Uh, he can cover as well, but his specialty is really more so – uh, staying on, on on the edge and 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 holding that edge. I mean, I mean, what what are your thoughts, Frank? If if he's if he spurns Miami and goes to the Gators,
1: that would be a tough loss. It'd be a tough loss, not so much because of the player, but because it would kind of kill the momentum for a top five recruiting class nationally. You need to grab four, high four star and five-star prospects to get into that top five range. Some people potentially talking about Miami as a dark horse for that number one spot. If you're going to compete with Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State, and Texas in this class, you're going to have to grab kids that are high-level prospects. And Malik Bryan is one of those type of players. I personally think he fits better as the defensive end. That's what he was recruited as early on in his recruitment. Uh, he's 6'3", 245, 250 pounds, really athletic. Not a developed second-level player at the moment, like a Raúl Aguero or a Bobby Washington, but he has the potential to have some positional versatility. We don't have a ton of talent at defensive end right now. You got Jaden Wayne in the fold. Ruben Bain hasn't hasn't uh, you know committed just yet. Hopefully, he does end up in the class. You are recruiting several other blue chip defensive ends, but the top schools are on those kids as well. So getting a Malik Bryan in the class gives you that option to be either. To put him wherever he's able to play right away. I think that he's a really good player. The best part of the 2023 class is that there is some talent at the linebacker position. You already got two kids in the fold and Bobby Washington and Naguero. Stan Quan Clark is a hometown kid who just made his move to Miami Central, something that we'll talk about in a little bit. You also have Javon Brown who hasn't picked a school yet. If you have a really successful 2022 season, he could be a kid that you revisit down the line closer to early signing day and potentially yeah. get into the fold. He's at St. Thomas Aquinas. It is a school we do have, you know, a relationship with. We have grabbed some kids there from in the past. If you wanted to try to get back in, especially if an Alabama grabs a Malik Bryant or another top kid or LSU grabs another top linebacker, like those are schools that can grab top, top LBs if Malik Bryant wants to play you know, some games, and Javon Bryant doesn't want to commit anytime soon. So you still have some options going forward, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not – I don't feel too too bad about losing him, but it probably hurt your chances at a top five class if you don't get Malik Bryant in 2023.
0: Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think they still have a chance. And, you know, you can have a Stan Quan Clark, just like you said, you can have a Stan Quan Clark, who's a four-star himself, uh, replace a Bryant or maybe a Javon Brown, like you said. So there's still possibilities where you can still have that that top class. But I think it just hurts so much more if he goes to Florida, uh, because uh, this is a guy that we pegged at. Uh, to go to Miami for a while, um, sources close to CanesCounty.com uh, told us that you know it, it's pretty much a done deal. And it wasn't until days before his commitment that it started to get a little murky in the waters about you know whether he's committed to Miami or not. And then all of a sudden he delays his commitment, uh, adding more apprehension to uh, the the cane nation fan base. So we'll wait and see. Um, we're still possibly going to get an answer maybe this week, uh, so we'll we'll see what what happens with Malik Bryant. But uh, but yeah, let's talk about the the different linebackers that are available in this class. You put out a story uh, today in regards to you know the you know the, your top fifteen. So you put out a top fifteen, and you've been doing that for every position group. And Stanquan Clark, surprisingly for me, was number one. Uh, I thought it was going to be Javon Brown. Um, so what made you put Stanquan Clark ahead of Javon Brown? Just his versatility. We, we, we've seen the kid be able to
1: flash power five ability at free safety as a 6'2", 6'3", 220-pound kid in seven-on-seven seven settings at national tournaments. We've seen him play both inside and outside linebacker at Miami Killian for a team that, I had a chance to go to the state championship, how they beat Miami Central in the third round of the playoffs last year. This is a kid with high level of production since his freshman year, had over 125 tackles opposite Bobby Washington last year. He is just one of those players, I think, that has a high ceiling on top of being a present big-time prospect for anybody that recruits him. I think that Miami could end up with Juan Clark in the class if they don't get Malik Bryant but they would have to push sooner than later. The NC State is pushing really hard for this kid. He's uh, going to be visiting there before the end of the summer. If that NC State visit goes well for a team that's been recruiting him for a long period of time and making him a focus of their class, they could end up getting a commitment from, from you know Kwon Clark. Uh, I think that would be a steal. I don't think that would deter Miami from still recruiting him. I think you can poach a kid flip a kid from an NC State if you really wanted to put the focus on him especially at a school like Miami Central which is which is so deeply connected to the Miami Hurricanes you got Roland Smith you got Sabbath Joseph you got Reggie Bain Reuben Bain's brother and if Reuben Bain ends up in this class that's another home recruiter that you have to potentially pull his commitment from so He's a, he's a kid that, you know, Miami fans have been watching and you need to continue to watch. I think he's one of the high-level linebackers in the class nationally. He's rated as the number 12 linebacker. You could see him stay at that range or potentially threaten for top 10 in the next update. He's coming off a spring game where he had 18 tackles, a forced fumble, re- fumble recovery touchdown play for about yeah. 60, 70 yards that wowed everybody, including linebacker coach Charlie Strong uh, in the nice. Palm Beach Spring Showcase. So he's a kid that I really
0: like. Uh, you got anything on Stan Kwan? I mean, I was there for for that play. Uh, I saw the whole thing. I caught it on video and everything. I mean, it was it was amazing. And even before that play, he popped up basically everywhere. I mean, he was he he was more dominant in my eyes than Bobby Washington was. And they were both on the field at the same time. Um, he 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 just had a more intimidating type of presence about him uh he he came at the football with intentions and those intentions were were to rip the football away on that one play which you know he, i was right there next to coach strong when he was talking about him and we were both just kind of talking about him before he made the play and then we were just like hey there he goes uh so I am a little surprised that you had him at number one, but I'm not because he's just he's just a really dynamic player and he's pretty good in coverage as well because I saw him uh, play for Miami Immortals in, uh, in Vegas at the OT7 and and he was one of those players who just kind of locked down a certain area. Just whenever whenever a, a receiver kind of came into his area, he was able to kind of close in and kind of shut that down. So he is very uh, versatile. Uh, he can play inside or outside for me. And to for for Miami to continue the linebacking tradition tradition now that he's at Miami Central. You you just got Wesley Besaint added to the fold. Now you can possibly add another Miami Central linebacker. I think that. Is, is even more critical for, for Miami going forward uh, with recruiting. And, yeah, NC State has is, is, is always been a team that he's talked about. Then well, I did speak to, to Stan Kwan in, in Vegas, and he, you know, mentioned NC State as, that, as how they've been always recruiting him. But he did also mention Miami um, as, as a team that is constantly in, in contact with him as well. so this is gonna be you know I think a, a tight recruiting battle to the end, but NC State, I mean they just got Damon Fagan you know so them adding a, a player from South Florida uh, could be something that continues for the Wolfpack over there and that and that's a team that will, will likely be playing every other year now with the new ACC scheduling format so 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 you know it'll be interesting to see. Um, where Clark goes, and um, there there are other linebackers on the list that you know just kind of popped out for me on that list, and it's where Clark could have possibly gone, and that's Miami Paul uh, Paul and over there you got a, you got a guy uh, Gabe Hardman who I think uh, needs to get some more notoriety, uh, and he's over there with the. Washington uh twins over there and and um I, I just like what I what I saw from the kid also in Palm Beach. Saw him in uh the spring game over there and and he he made some plays out there. He he made his presence felt. He was clearly the best, I think the best defender on that team, um, better than uh Willis McGahee, the fourth. So um, so what what are some of the other players on your list that you that you want to mention?
1: Yeah, like, I, like you said, Gabe Hardman is an elite South Florida linebacker. He doesn't have the measurables to, met, you know, become a power five prospect, but he's an absolute steal for South Dakota where he's currently committed to. I think the kid would be a bona fide stud for a school like FIU or FAU if they wanted to keep him home. Group of five schools like Marshall have recruited him. So you could potentially see a flip somewhere down the line if somebody wanted to put that pressure on a South Florida kid, maybe build a pipeline to Palmetto uh, for those kids that aren't the elite prospects like Bobby Washington or Ja'Cory Barney. The kid had over 100 tackles last year, shined in big-time matchups like Deerfield Beach, Homestead, Columbus multiple times. So he's a proven, proven winner and inside linebacker for a Palmetto team that is consistently in state championship contention. Uh, Another kid that I think deserves a lot more credit despite a subpar junior year is David Vidala out of American heritage. This kid's a two-time all American selection. He has over 250 tackles in his high school career. And that's with a subpar junior year. Like I said, he's coming back home to American heritage where he won a state championship as a sophomore. So he's, a two-time champion, two-time All-American. Just the, the accolades go on and on for this kid. I'm going to vouch for this kid which for uh, a recruiting bump, a rankings bump, um, and rivals when that time comes. He is a middle linebacker, throwback-type player. A lot of people comparing to you know, Zach Thomas, you know, former Dolphin. Yep. Great just because of the hometown yep. connection. But the kid is a winner. He's he's extremely successful in that heritage scheme that brings a lot of pressure with their backers. He is a MMA fighter as well. So the kid is a dog through and through. Um, I expect a huge senior year from that kid, especially that they could have a deep playoff run, potentially meeting Miami Central once again in the playoffs. Uh, And another kid that I think people need to look at because the pedigree is there. Diego Fago from Navy. Uh, Is now with the Baltimore Ravens, and he also played at Calvary Christian. And the kid I'm talking about is Lucas Mielke. He's 6'2", 6'3", 210, 215 pounds. Not many people know about him just because of the school that he plays at. But if you watch the kid play, he's knocking people back, doing it against teams like Booker T. Washington. He's a great player. We saw him as a sophomore do it against Chaminade Madonna. We've seen him do it against Cardinal Gibbons as well. It has the production of a hundred tackle linebacker. He's probably more of an inside guy. I could see him being a high academic prospect at like an Ivy League level school or a Navy or Air Force and becoming a guy that becomes an all-conference type player at the FCS level or somebody that becomes an undrafted free agent, low draft pick type player, um, you know, going forward.
0: Okay, sounds, sounds good, and, and more on that on canescounty.com, a uh, complete list. Uh, we'll have the 2023 and the 2024 uh, list of linebackers from South Florida to look out for. Uh, so I wanted to talk about something that um, everybody's excited about, and that's football season, man. Uh, the Hurricanes football season is about to get underway. Uh, so I took a look at the the odds uh, for you know ma- some major categories. Uh, for the Hurricanes and, you know, I'll just, you know, throw them out and, and you you tell me, you know, what you think. So the first one I'm going to throw out is is the the win total for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, first of off, just a guess of of what what that what that is for the Hurricanes.
1: I would probably say there's an over under of like eight and a half. Hey, Man,
0: that's, not, that's right hey, but I, you, you looked at you looked that shit up didn't you I didn't
1: I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't look it up but you know just the expectations in the coastal for Miami it's not a ton of competition in the in the division and overall in the conference I think we're a little weak this year in the ACC um you know and, and I don't know what your prediction was but if I would put a prediction on Miami I would probably go the over on the eight and a half I'd probably be a little bit more you know comfortable with something around nine and a half. Um, So 10 wins is a potential uh, season for Miami. I think that a coastal division win and an ACC championship appearance is the expectation for coach Cristobal and staff.
0: Yeah. So you're one for one so far. I, I also agree. I feel like the hurricanes will, will get to at least nine wins. Um, When you break down the schedule, it's, it's 12 games. Right. And most would assume that they're going to lose against Clemson and they're going to lose against Texas A&M, right? Most would assume that, although I, I put a different uh, pick out on uh, my uh, forecasting the schedule series on how I think that Texas A&M game will play out. But let's just assume you, those two are else. Are um, considering you're going into very hostile environments. You're left with. The games that will you know, tip the scale for eight or nine wins are Virginia, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and Florida State, because you kind of never know how that game will go. So you got Pittsburgh, who are the coastal champions, but they're not playing with uh, Kenny Pickett anymore, so there's going to be a new guy in the fold, and they are without their Bolitnikoff winner in Jordan Addison are also without their O.C. In, in Mark Whipple. Remember, Mark Whipple used to be the O.C. over here for, uh, with Miami. Um, but he did pretty well with uh, the – He's okay. He did pretty well with the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm not going to say with the Canes. <laughs> you know, he did well with the Pittsburgh Panthers last year, you know, winning the ACC. I don't think anybody had them winning the ACC last year. So, that's a potential game that, that that's like a swing game. That's, it's the last game of the season – Canes have them at home, so that could potentially decide the coastal uh, uh, division. And then you have um, North Carolina, who, if you look at the recruiting like rankings um, year to year, they're they're the closest to Miami besides Clemson. Of course, Clemson's kind of you know the top dog of the conference, but besides Clemson and Miami. Uh, North Carolina has been kind of recruiting on, on the same level. So uh, although they lose some guys as well, Sam Howell is off to the NFL as well, um, at quarterback, that could be potentially a, a trap game. Say if they did beat Texas A&M and then they blow through Middle Tennessee State, then they have a bye week. Miami usually doesn't farewell after a bye week and then they get hey, that's a
1: Manny Diaz thing That's a Manny Diaz <laughs> thing let's hope
0: that's, that's discontinued let's hope let's hope that's the truth because right after the bye week you get North Carolina so um that could be a potential trap game and then Virginia I think that's a potential trap game as well because you go up to Virginia they haven't fared well in Virginia as well also could be a Manny Diaz thing but that's right before Florida State and you could be looking ahead to Florida State I don't think they have any problems with Florida state this year at all because they're motivated from last year's loss and you get Florida state at home and Florida state. I don't, I don't see them improving much more than than last season. So I, you know, of all the games that I just mentioned, I think Florida state would be the easiest win. Um, uh, maybe uh, North Carolina, I think they'll take care of business with North Carolina, but really the, the games that I worry about the most is, is Virginia. And then at, um, Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's got another strong defensive line as they did last year. So that worries me a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, I, I did pick uh, the hurricanes to get nine wins, which means three losses, three losses and you got nine wins. And um, I think they'll avoid that fourth loss, but um the other, the other, uh, odd or, or bet or wager that i saw that was interesting is just winning the coastal winning the coastal division and and um i'll let i'll let you um chime in on that and what what you think i thought i mean i'm probably be already kind of told you but based on what i said <laughs> yeah so i my expectation
1: is that miami wins the coastal i think that it's just a 2 off season in 2022 i think that there is a culture uh with mario cristobal now in the fold Those trap games should not be trap games much longer. You got elite quarterback play and Tyler Van Dyke. You have a bevy of four-star caliber running backs in the running back room. You got a stronger offensive line, especially depth-wise, with the additions of transfer portal kids coming in. On the defensive line, you brought in some transfer portal guys as well that should make an early impact. Jafari Harvey should be a guy that takes that next step forward. And the linebacker room should be a little bit better this year, especially with the scheme change to Kevin Steele's versatile front seven. James Williams, another year stronger, another year in the program. Avante Williams, no drama this offseason. And Cam Kinchins being that guy as the third safety, where we've heard rumors that Kevin Steele is going to be using three safeties at times this season. So I'm excited for the potential of what is to come. I think that Texas A&M, And Clemson are the only games that you could say that Miami won't be favored. I could actually see a situation where Miami wins Texas A&M, wins that Texas A&M game. We do well in Aggieville. Um, Potentially lose like a Virginia or Pittsburgh. Keldon Slovis is a big question mark for Pittsburgh going into the season, the the USC transfer. We've seen him, him have Heisman moments at USC. So the potential is high, but the floor is also low. So I could see one of those games being a slip up just because we still have a talent disparity to a lot of the top teams in the country. I don't see North Carolina being much of a threat just because of lack of quarterback experience. Could there be someone that steps up and becomes that next Sam Howell? Of course, but we've even had success against Sam Howell. So, uh, you know, I feel pretty Obviously confident that
0: game last year.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I see Miami winning 10 games this year. Um, and I, the only loss that I see that I'm pretty confident in is Clemson, and that's strictly just because of trench talent comparison.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you 100%. I mean, you alluded to this earlier. The Coastal is is really down this year. Uh, yeah. Georgia Tech had a really bad year last year. Duke had a, had a terrible year last year. Virginia Tech, they bring in a new head coach. Virginia brings in a new head coach. Um, and, and so does Duke as well. And I looked it up, I was just like, well, how much coaching experience is even in this division? And if you take out Mac Brown, the Hurricanes have, have more coaching experience on their staff than the entire coastal division. So it just really kind of shows you how, how much of a, a rebuild is going on kind of everywhere else. And all of those new head coaches in the coastal are brand new head coaches, period, It's not like Cristobal, who has been a head coach at two different places already. And you got Strong, who's been a head coach at at uh, three different places already. Um, And then Kevin Steele has also been a head coach as well um, at Baylor. So. So, yeah, just the experience and and um, just I I think they'll just be more disciplined and, and just be mentally ready for every game with that experience and uh, I think uh, with that Miami takes the Coastal and they go to the ACC championship game in its final year uh, in existence um, the Coastal division being the final year so the other odds were um, Tyler Van Dyke uh, winning the Heisman you know and and I'll, I'll let you, you know, I'll keep this going the way I've been doing it, so I'll let you kind of decide um, or, or what your thoughts are on, on his chances of, of actually winning the Heisman Trophy.
1: I think it's a fun conversation to have. I think he's probably going to be more in the conversation for ACC Player of the Year um, and potentially, you know, national quarterback honors. But I'm not that confident – to win the Heisman. It's not often that we see quarterbacks without dual threat ability win the Heisman Trophy. I don't know if the Josh Gaddis offense is conducive to him putting up the numbers necessary to win the Heisman. I think this is going to be a really strong run-based offense this year built around the arm arm of Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's going to make huge plays. I think he's going to put us in a position to win. But if he's throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game, then we might not be winning 10 games. Right. I think that the best chance for Miami to be successful going next year is him throwing about 30, 35 times a game, us running the ball at a balanced level, back to having a thousand-yard back and potentially having a second guy threaten for that threat, that thousand-yard, you know, mark. Mm-hmm. And then having, you know, a versatile receiving core. That doesn't put up huge numbers, but you have a lot of guys that you can rely on. He spoke about it at ACC Media Day that there was no one guy that he was talking about. Xavier Stripo is someone that he relies on when it's crunch time, but he's got a lot of guys on the outside that could be stepping up this year. Keyshawn Smith, we've seen moments. Romello Brinson, we've seen flashes. There are some new guys in the fold. Rashard Smith is going to be in a new type of role this year, most likely. There are a lot of guys that have potential to do some things on this Miami offense. I don't know if that. I don't know if Tyler Van Dyke is going to have the type of year numbers wise that is going to wow people. Miami's not on ESPN on prime time on a weekly basis. The ACC Coastal is not a power heavy conference, and if he was going to be a Heisman contender, it would have to be Miami going into Clemson as an undefeated team and potentially knocking them off. So. There's still potential for it to happen. I would not take the odds on this at all.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely potential for it to happen. But, you know, just like you said, this is going to be kind of a different offense. And last year, Tyler Van Dyke put up astronomical numbers uh, compared to Heisman Trophy winners of the past, like Joe Burrow. He put up six straight games of 300 yards or more. Uh, and three touchdowns in in you know in, in that span. So so for me, I don't think like you said he's going to be put in those type of situations where he has to win with his arm. And I'm hoping that there is a balance to the offense and that he doesn't have to throw for 300 yards every time. Now on the flip side, he's going to have opportunities to put up big numbers because of the schedule the schedule besides you know Clemson and Texas A&M are very winnable uh, games and those are games that he can put up huge numbers he can put up huge numbers against Bethune and Middle Tennessee and Duke and and Georgia Tech and you know those games he can put up easily 300 to 400 yards but like you said as well, and I, I alluded to this in, in my story, is that, um, yeah, he can score with his legs. He, he's uh, kind of an underrated athlete. But when you're comparing him to, like, let's say a Bryce Young, who won it last year, where he's clearly a dual threat guy, he's going to have more touchdowns. I mean, the Heisman Award is a stats award uh, for the most part. Yeah, they're looking for that Heisman moment. And yeah, they're looking for you to be on a championship contender, but for the most part, it's all about the stats that you're putting up because that kind of validates the award for Heisman voters. So I don't think he'll have enough with the statistics to, to win the award. And I think he was 10th on the list as far as Heisman odds. So it's not like he's, you know, in the top five or anything like that, but I think it likely goes to maybe a Bryce Young again. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to back. CJ Stroud is a player Caleb Williams. I, I like a lot. Dave Williams w- as well. And he, maybe there might be a, a defensive player that kind of jumps in the fold um as well, like Will Anderson at uh at Alabama. Uh so so I would likely see, I would more likely believe that one of those players would win the Heisman other than tyler van dyke but if he does win hey he'll be the third quarterback in the program's history to do it um and he definitely has the ability to do so but i, I don't see it happening i i could see him possibly maybe winning the davy o'brien award on uh, just with his quarterbacking ability um i, I could definitely see that and maybe acc player of the year that type well, of maybe thing. the maxwell maybe the Maxwell award or something along those lines as yeah, well. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I, I don't see that happening at all. All right. So uh, the, the other uh, odd, which is probably uh, even more far-fetched than the, uh, than the Heisman award is the national championship. So I I looked at that and I wanted to see where they were, where, where the Miami hurricanes were as far as the pecking order uh, with Vegas and, you know, kind of how they, are projecting who who is going to win here, and they're they're 14th, like they're the 14th best, have the 14th best odds to win the championship, which is kind of surprising for me. I'm just like, okay, well, they're they're projected to be then in the, in the top 15 uh, once the polls officially come out here. So for them to win a national championship, though, a lot of things have to go their way. A lot of things have to go their way. (laughs) I mean, this is a team that was terrible tackling last season. They were in in the 100s as far as ranking uh, tackling percentage. Um, And another area in which they were terrible at was running the football, something very simple in winning football games. Most games, if you don't run the football or can't run the football well, you likely don't win. And they were not good at running the football at all. So you would have to see a a crazy, crazy improvement in those areas for them to contend for a national title. And I just don't, I don't see that happening. And, and, um, if by chance they, they, they somehow, Uh, beat beat a Clemson and uh, make it to the college football playoff I don't see them getting any farther than that because clearly to me the Georgias Ohio States and the uh, Alabamas of the world I think I mean we saw with evidence last year I mean albeit it was a different era D.R. King not 100 percent um, in that first game, you just kind of saw then just how far Miami is from, from that level. Um, I think even if Mario Cristobal was the coach of that game, and if you had Tyler Van Dyke, let's say, who, let's say he started a couple of games last year and got some games under his belt, and he started that game against Alabama, I don't think it would be far from a, from a different result than what we saw last year. So... So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think um, Miami has a chance to win. I mean, there's always a chance. <laughs> there's always a chance it could happen, but there's just so many things that would have to go their way um, as opposed to what we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count it out just because you have an elite-level quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke. So I think the first test is going to be Texas A&M. Right. Our first test last year was a 31 point difference from Alabama. Right. If you want to, that's, that's, that's the last. Yeah. It could have been worse. Right. But if you want to talk about Miami in the national championship realm, then you have to go back to that game and say, this is where you have to improve tackling, running the football, blocking and playing in the trenches on defense. Those are the things that you have to get better on. I think that we have drastically improved along the trenches and I think that you have two of the best coaches in regards to improving offensive, offensive line play and Mario Cristobal and Coach Maribald, right? So if, if we hit home runs on our transfers along the trenches, then you have a chance to potentially get into that college football conversation. If Tyler Van Dyke shows out against Texas A&M, that's a good sign of what's to come against Clemson. If you win those two games, you're most likely going undefeated. Right. So that puts you in the realm of possibility of winning the national title. Now, what has to improve is play calling. Right. We saw the offense completely stall out. It wasn't just on players play against Alabama. We were continuously going three and out against the Alabama defense loaded with NFL talent. So you're going to have to see Coach Josh Gaddis do better than he even did at Michigan last year where he was in the college football playoffs. And you could argue that better offensive line play was, was at hand at Michigan last year. So there's a lot of questions that are going into it. I wouldn't say that it's outside the realm of possibility just because there are only two games on the schedule that really scare me. Um, Tyler Van Dyke is going to be the, the x factor. It's really what it is. You got enough talent on the outside compared to the teams around the country. You got enough talent in your running back rooms compared to pretty much anybody else in the country linebacker play is going to have to improve, but Wesley Besant has already put on 20 pounds uh, in this offseason, and that's with an injury to his shoulder at yeah. one point. So, you know, if he can get up to that 220, 225 range, I could definitely see him with the way he's picking up the playbook, uh, be an impact player at the linebacker position. Corey Flagg is going to have to get better this season. You could see a Wayman Steed potentially step up. We haven't seen that over the course of his college career, but a yeah. new staff could potentially change that. I think we have good enough defensive back play. Tyreek Stevenson is a player with national championship level experience, right? James Williams is one of the best safeties in the country. Avante Williams is one of the best safeties in the country. And Cam Kinchins has the potential to be just that as well. Um, There are some measures uh, to national championship success, you know, having a high level of blue chip prospects and Miami is top 15 in those rankings. So, The talent is there, right? Now it's just a matter of developing the trenches. I think that they have the staff in place to be able to do that. We'll just see if it happens in year one. Um, If I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't bet on it. But as a fan, (laughs) you're always hopeful. So uh, we will see. If if you gave me a bet on if Miami was going to have a national championship appearance within three years, I'd probably be more comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with the recruiting classes that uh, Mario Cristobal is building uh, with his staff. So that brings me to my last uh, question or, or um, prediction on the story that I wrote on CanesCounty.com is: Is Miami going to win the ACC? Which is probably the most interesting one um, of all because it really probably comes down to the play of Tyler Van Dyke, as, as we've been talking about. I mean, how great can he be? Like, how is he going to be the guy to sit in the pop pocket and have the poise when that rush is coming and just in that last second find the open guy? Or is he um, going to be the guy to buy time and and get that first down with his legs? Or is he going to be the guy to possibly audible out of out of – Plays or or just check down to uh, a running back for for a first down. You know, is he going to be that that overall uh, quarterback that we all see the potential in? And I think winning the ACC is a real possibility this year for for the Miami Hurricanes because let's let's face it, Clemson is not the powerhouse that they have been. For the past couple of years with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson before that, um even before that with Todd Boyd, I I think it was. Um this guy that they have, DJ Uglele, I think is how you say that name, <laughs> he is not he's not on Tyler Van Dyke's level. Let's just say that. Uh Tyler Van Van Dyke is you know he he's up for you know various awards. Um, we've already alluded to you know what he did on a six game streak last season. This guy at Clemson is potentially not that guy, but their defense is still all world. I still have uh, plenty of experience on that on that D line um, over there at Clemson, and um, you know our guy Troy Stallato is probably going to step into more of a big role at wide, wide receiver over there for, for the Tigers, but, but they're beatable is basically what I'm saying. Now that game against in Clemson is still going to be tough, no matter what, because that's a crazy and one of the craziest environments in college football, but in a somewhat of a neutral field where, you know, they're going to make sure that Hur- hurricanes fans have enough tickets to, 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 to go to that game. And it's not going to be, it's going to be majority of course, uh, Clemson fans there based on proximity, but gonna be more of a neutral field and you played them once and if you it's likely very hard to beat a team twice and with this coaching staff I think they will make the adjustments if they lose that first game I think they they would be able to make the adjustments in this championship game to to essentially uh win it all now the there are other uh contenders in in the Atlantic I mean Wake Forest was the team to come out of the Atlantic last season and they averaged forty points a game last season. So they have that have the same quarterback coming back in Hartman, Sam Hartman, um, and essentially a lot of their guys coming back. So I wouldn't be surprised. Wake Forest beat Clemson last season, so I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up in the championship game again. And then NC State is also a possibility. I would say those are the top three teams to possibly make it to the the Atlantic division. And I think the Atlantic division is, is a bit harder than the coastal as well. So I think that kind of gives Miami, I think, an advantage. And after going through the, the pressure of a Texas A&M game, the pressure of going into Clemson and, and, and trying to win that game. And, you know, the environment here in Miami for the Florida state game is going to be uh, you know, a, a great, a loud environment. I think they'll be able to handle, I think they'll be able to handle that type of pressure and really, um, you know, pull through in, a, in an environment where they're going to feel the uh, the pressure to, to win that game. So um, I, I'll hold off on my prediction, now, although I probably just already give it away. But uh, what, what what do you think about the, the Hurricanes winning the ACC conference this year?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't put them as the favorites to win it. Um, right now, as a betting man, but as a fan and as someone looking at it, you know, with a bias, um, I do think it's a possibility. Just alluding back to the the factor that you said was they play twice. They play twice. You lose that first game. You guys keep it close. You got a chance in the ACC championship game. Defensive line play is going to be big for Clemson this year. They have one of the best front sevens in all college football. They have recruited well over the past several years. They've really upped recruiting standards over the last few. There's still a lot of talent there. Will Shipley's going to be running the football. He was the number one running back in the country just a year ago, I believe. There's talent there. You know, DJ at one point was the number one quarterback recruit in the country. So we could see a flip in what he's able to do. But losing Tony Elliott and losing Brent Venables is going to hurt them tremendously. Yeah. The question is, is Dabo Sweeney a good enough coach to turn the tide and be what everybody expected him to be was baby Saban, right? We've seen Saban lose coordinators and do the same thing again the next season. We haven't seen Dabo have this issue yet because he's had such consistency with his coaching staff over his entire tenure. So there's some change going on at Clemson we've never seen before. So there's a lot of question marks there. Um, You got to give them credit just because of the talent base that they have from elite levels of recruiting, but Miami is Miami's had success in recruiting as well. Despite the failures of past coaches, we've consistently been a top 15 program recruiting. That's the reason that we're the 14th best odds to win the national championship. So I don't think that the talent disparity is there that Miami can't keep up with Clemson. We're going to see it in that first game. If they can keep that within a score within 10 points, I could see this being a really interesting ACC championship game. And if Tyler Van Dyke takes that turn, especially in that Texas AM game, like I said before, I could definitely see Miami winning the ACC championship and either getting a New Year's Six Bowl or a potential appearance in the college football playoff. It wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. When you have a coach that comes in and is a grinder like Mario Cristobal, we've spoke about it before, he is there from – 5 a.m. in the morning until 8, 9 o'clock at night. Family's important to the guy, but football is more important. This guy has instituted a change in the program that we haven't seen prior. There were there were hopes of it being that way with, with Mark Rick. We saw some recruiting momentum when he first got in, but we have not seen someone step in at a high level and do it the way Mario Cristobal is doing it. Every recruit that we have spoke to said, their most intense practice they have seen amongst all their visits was the university of Miami. That's a Testament to what is changing at changing in Coral Gables. So you see it with all the legends, they're even talking about it, the worn sacks of the world. It's, they're talking about Miami as they're potentially back. They're grinding, they're grinding. They're not there yet, but the U is grinding. And I think that there is definitely a chance for this to be a special season. And I think it's going to be huge for recruiting, especially with kids like Damari Brown and Malik Bryant, and keeping kids like Francis Malagoa and Jaden Rashada in the fold. That you got to win ten games, and you got to have an ACC championship appearance, and potentially win it all. And if you win it all, you change the entire perspective of the program. We're not losing games to Florida State. We're not losing games to Virginia anymore. We're not losing games to Duke. Be based on a, a, a long walk to the field. You know those, those things. Those things are changing. So. With everything changing, I think that there's potential for Miami to win it, and fans can have to just be happy with that right now, coming off the failed season that was twenty twenty one
0: yeah i mean I mean if you look at last season last season, they won seven games with those terrible statistics I, I threw out as far as them being in the bottom you know eighth of <laughs> of tackling and and the running game and they were still able to win seven games is where you see just the room for growth for this team because Tyler Van Dyke didn't start all of the games. So he wasn't there for Alabama and he was there for kind of half of that Michigan state game when he, uh, when uh, you know, uh, dear King um, was injured and, and you have, you don't lose a lot. You, you didn't lose a lot of guys uh, to, to the NFL or, or impact guys, I would say. Um, you still had Zion Nelson uh, come back. You've got Leonard Taylor, who has potential to be one of the best defenders in college football, coming back. Uh, James Williams uh, back. And then, you know, you talked about Tyreek Stevenson, who we both seen in, in high school, just at times he was the most dynamic player in all of South Florida. So when you got those type of players coming back and you add a veteran coaching staff, the sky's the limit of 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 where this where this team can go. So it's definitely a chance. And when I was in Vegas, I'll let you know right now, I put in the bet for Miami to win the ACC championship game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, all right, it's in my hotel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it ride. And I got it at plus seven. Yeah. Hit that book. Yeah, I got it at plus seven hundred. So so you know, come come on, canes. Let, 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 let's do it. Do it for your boy at least. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he needs he needs the mortgage back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so yeah, I think the canes uh have a have a very good chance. I, I think this is a, a very good year for them to do that. Because like I said, you know, uh coastal coastal is a, is weak this year, it's the last last uh year of the coastal division and it's a perfect opportunity for them to win division just get into the championship game you play a team that you're going to play twice essentially if you play clemson um it's just a really uh a, a good a good chance for them to really solidify themselves back into the national title picture or conversation uh for years to come but um After that, man, uh, we got the barbecue coming up uh, this weekend. Um, I heard that, you know, a lot of the kids are not trying to say that they're going to the barbecue because uh, Florida is having potentially a barbecue as well over there in Gainesville. So they don't want to release the names. But, you know, media guys like us, we're going to release those names. (laughs) Um, Probably more so closer to the to the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll be compli- compiling a list of all of all the names that'll be uh, of the attendees of, at the uh, barbecue and 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 giving you as much coverage as possible of what's going down at the University of Miami. Uh, but other than that, um, anything else you you wanted to kind of speak on? No, I you know one thing I think Canes need to watch, especially
1: over the next month or two, is Jerry on Dickey. We'll we'll, we'll touch on it more, but. Just uh, just keep that in your back pocket and, and and watch that watch that going forward.
0: Okay, okay, doing a little fishing with, with Jerry on Dickey. All right, I, I feel it. I feel it hundred <laughs> percent. All right, um, all right. So this is going to conclude the Storm Tracker podcast. Uh, for more, uh, go to canescounty.com, miami.rivals.com, part of the Rivals Network. Until next time.